Hello and welcome to another edition of the Radio Debrief Scottish Election podcast. This week I'm joined by Stephen Brown, Thomas McCann and Hugh Sloan. Hello. Hello. Hi. There has been no shortage of things to talk about over the last week. The biggest piece of news is, of course, the sad death of His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, who passed away at the age of 99. And because of this, campaigning was suspended at the end of last week and for the beginning of this week. But now that campaigning has resumed, we are truly into the thick of it with parties starting to release their manifestos. Yesterday, we had the Scottish Greens who released their manifesto. So what did we all make of that? What was in it? The Greens had quite, obviously, quite a progressive manifesto with policies. They had quite, obviously, they had quite a lot on the environment, one of which was a £450 million investment in renewables, which is projected to create up to 10,000 jobs. You've got no homework for primary children. And uh, one of her was a rail for all, which ties around 22 billion over the next 20 years for our rail infrastructure. Well, um, the Scottish Greens uh, manifesto, there wasn't too many surprises in there. Um, obviously largely focused on a environmentally friendly COVID recovery, um, as well as um, touching a bit on independence, obviously not as much of a major priority for the Greens as it is for the SNP, but we know that they stand with them on their belief that Scotland's recovery um, lies in the hands of Holyrood. Um, But yeah, Patrick Harvey as well during the um, leaders' debate performed quite well and sort of alluded to what was going to feature in the manifesto. Uh, But overall, I think uh, prospective Green voters will be quite pleased with what they've seen so far. Hugh, what do you think about the Greens' manifesto? Yeah, I just, I agree with Thomas. It wasn't, there wasn't any real shocks or surprises in it. I think the Green recovery is something that will be appealing, I think, to a lot of young people, especially because they're obviously very vocal about um, the environment. So, yeah, I think it will be very popular amongst their base. I just don't know how popular it will be with the general public because I think they're more focused on the actual just recovery of Covid. I don't really know if they care <laughs> all that much if it is green or not. I think an interesting thing that I noticed in the Green Manifesto is they talked about moving to a four-day week with no loss of wage. That would be interesting. The SNP have also said in their manifesto today that they're going to set aside £10 million to help businesses trial that. I'd quite like a four-day working As I say, week. I don't know about anyone else. <laughs> I could get on board with that, absolutely. Yeah, four-day working week. It's really a definitely a big jump to sort of um, progression to try get that four-day working week that we've seen in lots of other countries around the world. So I think that's really good for them. And it's also, you know, quite exciting. And obviously it has a massive impact on jobs and job creation. So I think that's quite good. Uh, yeah. They've, they've also talked about creating a citizens' assembly on taxation, including trying to find ways to create a fairer income tax for everybody. And another big tax thing that they talked about was a windfall tax on companies that have made huge profits during the pandemic to try and help out some of the smaller businesses that have maybe been struggling over the past year or so. 
Their policies on um, education that were invo- that were uh, within the manifesto were also quite um, progressive, and uh, it seems that they are uh, backing uh, something that the Lib Dems have been suggesting, which is to raise the age that children start school to seven years old, as well as including a ban on homework at primary school level and ending um, standardised assessments at uh, primary one to three level. So I think a lot of parents as well will respond quite well to those policies. I think a lot of the policies will go down well. I'm just scrolling through the manifesto here again to remind myself of it. But I think one of the big headlines out of it that I would certainly take from it is the plan to scrap council tax, which they're talking Mm. about. They say the council tax is regressive and woefully outdated and it leaves councils struggling to pay for essential services. We will seek to replace it with a new residential property tax that is related to actual value rather than outdated valuations. Under our proposals, most households will pay less, while the wealthiest will pay a bit more. I think that's an excellent plan, personally. Yeah, I think that's really good. Uh, you know, looking at these sort of tax bans over housing, some are very, very overvalued, with some obviously being quite undervalued. A more fair system will do justice to people having to pay a sort of housing sort of tax. And also the Scottish Greens plan on abolishing the not proven verdict, which has become a bit of a political hot potato over the last few weeks as well, as we have discussed on previous episodes. They also talk about a lot, as you would expect, about equality and indeed the environment, particularly that they wish to abolish the sale of new petrol cars in Scotland by 2026, which is six years earlier than the current target from the Scottish Government. I think we were expecting to see some environmental policies that are a bit more... um, radical and fast acting than the Scottish Government have implemented so far and um, also the plans to bring rail networks, bus companies and ferry routes into um, public ownership as well. That's another policy that the Scottish Greens have been campaigning about for some time but again what they've sort of made clear in their manifesto was what we were expecting which is that if the um, if environmental issues are high up on your priority list, then um, the Green Party are expecting your votes in Holyrood. And whilst the Greens launched their manifesto yesterday, today saw the release of the SNP's manifesto launch. Some of the highlights of that included... And the Greens launched their manifesto yesterday, and at the time of recording, the SNP have just launched their manifesto today. Some of the highlights of that were abolishing all fees for NHS dentistry, establishing a national digital academy so everyone can study for hires at any age, any time and any place, uh, increasing frontline NHS spending by over £2.5 billion, ensuring every GP practice has access to a dedicated mental wellbeing worker, increasing investment in mental health by 25%, and creating, I thought this was a highlight one, is creating a Scottish food agency to promote Scottish food and drink and boost exports, which they have done very well in the past, until, of course, Brexit has hamstrung the food industry. So what did we make of the SNP's manifesto? 
I think there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Uh, a few things that you didn't mention was that they're, you know, claimed to be the best place in the world to grow up. They had quite a lot of things directed for children and young families. For example, they had free music tuition in schools, which is really interesting. You have free bikes to all children who can't afford them. You have free school trips. And then, so I think that's really good. And then, obviously, you had your abolish all dentistry charges, which a lot of people in Scotland would be really happy about because, you know, it's isn't dentistry, shouldn't that be part of the NHS? That's always something that's confused me, that that was something we had to pay for. I thought that was really, really random. But something else I've no- noticed that people, I don't think so much I've taken issue with, but I've questioned the timing of it, was the promise to give all school pupils a tablet or laptop with free internet connection. And I think people are kind of saying, well, why is that something you're announcing now rather than not at the beginning of the pandemic when it was needed the most? Because some might argue that now that school's going back full time and things are beginning to reopen, they might not need it as much as they might have done in the last year. But at the same time, I think people, and we kind of lost sight of it maybe during the pandemic, that Nicola Sturgeon is a politician. She is trying to get re-elected because she spent all of her time fighting the virus. She just, it almost looked as though she was doing it out of her own goodwill, that she wasn't trying to, because she did do the whole, I'm not trying to score political points. So I think, I think there was a lot of um, good things in the manifesto, but I think a lot of the time it's questions of how will it actually work? Like, how will these be distributed? Do they give them back at the end? Like, I just, I don't know. I think there's still a lot of questions that obviously well, the, will get answered. On the, on the tablet issue, I live in the borders and in the end of 2019, the council announced that they'd spent, I think it was over a million pounds buying iPads for every single high school pupil and I think some primary school pupils as well. And they got absolutely lambasted for that at the time, saying that was a waste of money. And when the pandemic came along, that played very well for them. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was luck for them. I think, however, gentlemen, we have either slightly bypassed or skipped over a key part of both the Greens and the SNP manifestos, which is another independence referendum to be held within the next term of the Scottish Parliament if there is a pro-independence majority elected. But I guess everybody was expecting that one. <laughs> it's just so obvious that that's a policy that you can just sort of not even mention it. But yeah, that is that is a policy by the SNP and uh, Nicholas Sturgeon made that very clear in the debate night. And of course, we've only had two political parties releasing their manifesto so far. The Liberal Democrats will release theirs tomorrow, which at the time of recording is Friday the 16th of April. The Tories will release them on Monday and Labour on Tuesday. So by the end of next week and by the next time you listen to our lovely voices, you will we will be discussing and comparing everyone's manifestos. But that's not all that's happened over the last week, although a key part. We also had on Tuesday night a second leaders debate. So how did everyone perform? What did we make of that? You know, um, I'm going to start off saying... I liked and preferred the format of the STV debate night more than the BBC. I enjoyed that other party leaders got to ask questions to the other party leaders. I thought that was really sort of 
about specific things. You had uh, Nicholas Sturgeon mention, well, ask questions to Douglas Ross about the UK Parliament's intervention into the Scottish Parliament passing the UN rights for the child. And obviously it's quite a controversial issue. So I thought it was really interesting to see from leader to leader asking questions. It wasn't just questions, then discussion from the moderator. And I think that Gordon, sorry, no, not Gordon, Colin Mackay did well in making sure that everyone had a balanced amount of time to question, you know, answer opponents. That's why I think it was very dynamic to the BBC one, that we had a good start of a month. But um, going on, I think Nicholas Sturgeon did very well uh, in the first sort of two thirds of the debate, Uh, but we didn't hear much from her in the sort of third part. What what did everybody else think about Nicholas Sturgeon? I I wasn't wasn't too sure really because um, obviously she's a very formidable politician and she wouldn't have stayed at the top for so long if she wasn't but um, it was I felt a lot of her replies were a bit heavily reliant on uh, Boris Johnson a lot of it seemed to be based on um, her saying you know who would you rather have leading me or Boris Johnson which implies that either of them are gonna be there forever which isn't really the case but um, I think Nicholas Sturgeon did perform quite well. I think, unfortunately for Douglas Ross, he's been the clear loser from both leaders' debates so far. Um, yeah, it, it was a bit hard to watch at times. Um, he was questioning um, Nicholas Sturgeon on the subject of education, and the SNP's record on education is pretty poor. Um, they've failed to close the attainment gap. And, you know, there was a lot of opportunity there for him to sort of properly hold them to account on that. But he was um, he was asking Nicola Sturgeon about uh, the school that she attended. And he asked, um, he, he said that um, that school was in her constituency. And he asked a question along the lines of when was the last time that that school had an inspection or something like that. And then Nicola Sturgeon's reply was basically that he was wrong and that that school that she attended is not in her constituency um it's just the school that she went to she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't hold any power uh... so that was a really embarrassing moment for him patrick harvey bringing up his previous comments about the traveler community he um couldn't sidestep that he had to um, apologize for that again um and yeah just Overall, a bit of a, I don't know, weakened performance, I guess. It was so, quite painful to watch. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so Douglas Ross was just Douglas Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't come out. He didn't come out of it looking particularly well. Um, I'd say that um, Anasawa was definitely um, the better of the two. He was pro. He was probably one of the best on the night. Um, he was, he was very good at, um, he was very good at pitting the SNP and the Tories against each other, and then, um, bringing up the fact that they're getting caught up in old arguments, etc., and that, you know, Labour are the way forward and things like that. But he he also just like allowed them to bicker, and he would just wait yeah. until they were done talking over each other and arguing, 
and then he'd come in with like almost like the calming voice and it was it was it was different to the BBC one definitely. I think a key theme of both debates so far has certainly been Douglas Ross floundering and the Tories on Twitter clearly watching a different debate to everyone else and Anna Sarwar actually frankly shining compared to how Labour have done and been received in the past. Yeah, you know, I, I think Anna Sarwar was uh, as cool as a cucumber as he was just in the first debate, like he was uh, just on Tuesday, but unfortunately I just don't uh, didn't get enough time to talk about his views and still quite unclear of what a recovery for Scotland will look like for Scotland in a Labour government. But uh, my highlight of Anna Sarwar, uh, he went on a bit of a personal attack of Douglas Ross at the end. One of my quotes that I've written down here, he said, you are even bad for the Conservatives. Which is uh, quite a big dig. He'd also listed everything else he was bad for as well. He's like, you're bad for the country, you're bad for the parliament. I was like, oh my God, this is brutal. He said, he said oh, something along the lines of Douglas Ross not even being good for the case of the union, which was... Ooh. Yeah, so, something that he um, didn't really have a comeback for, but it was, yeah, it was a lot of piling on to Douglas Ross like it was in the BBC debate. Um, the question is, um, I know this isn't my show, but I'm going to put a question to you guys. I was just wondering, because I can't quite... Um, make my mind up. Do you think that Patrick Harvey or Lorna Slater performed better in their leaders' debates? Like, who Ooh, who was the better representation of the Green Party? That's definitely... Counts, they both had... Sorry. So I definitely think they both had really good highlights. I think Patrick Harvey, just like Lorna Slater did in the first debate, he did the Green Party proud and did very well under scrutiny of Douglas Ross about the green plan to accelerate green energy plans instead of continuing with harmful oil and gas consumption. But to answer your question, I think Lorna Slater just gets ahead mm. of Patrick Harvey in the leaders' debates. I think if Lorna, Lorna Slater... Slater... Sorry, you can go first. Sorry, no, no you go first, honestly. I think fine. if Lorna Slater had had the opportunity to perform under the same settings as Patrick Harvey as well, I think she could have done really, really well. Whereas I don't know if he would have done as well on the BBC debate. And mm -hmm. I think that was quite interesting. And I think something that you can definitely say about Lorna Slater in particular is it's all about continuity with her. And she's all in every appearance she does, it's always the same. Even if I think last week I saw her on like a trapeze or something, it's always <laughs> kind of the same message that she's getting across. And I think that's what people want to see with the politicians. Yeah, I think that Lorna Slater has been quite consistent and it's all about continuity. But uh, I think uh, moving on to one of the leaders we haven't mentioned yet, which is uh, Willie Rennie of the Liberal Democrats. You know, like you said two weeks ago about the other leaders debate, he doesn't sort of seem in it to win it. He sort of seems to be sort of hanging in there. He mm. talked good comments on schools and the pupil equity funds but uh, he spent most of it sort of licking the backside of Douglas Ross I think the thing was that the first debate certainly they all came across as the, but 
as they would because they're all embedded in Scottish politics, with the exception of Douglas Ross, they all came across as they knew what they were talking about and very well versed, except Douglas Ross, who seemed to just be trotting out all the old Tory lines of no to a referendum, you're going to cut jobs in the oil and gas sector, and all that kind of thing. And it didn't seem to play very well at all. Mm. I think with, you know, having this recovery in Scotland is that it is... Scotland's opportunity to do something different and with you know the environmental sort of aspects adding in it's our opportunity to recover and create a new and different Scotland and that is for you know the Liberal Democrats the Green and the SNP and Labour is that's a green way forward and Douglas Ross sort of keeps pulling us back to oil and gas which is in the past and also is mm. also very harmful for the environment. And I think I'd probably put that down as probably the major reason he did so badly, because he keeps looking backwards at what we used to do. But mm. in some cases, yes, I do agree, looking at the back and learning from. But, you know, Scotland's done so much for environment and renewable energy, and something like 25% of Scotland's uh, Scotland has of EU energy due to renewable energy. So I think that's probably one of the main reasons he didn't do too well on uh, Tuesday night. Going back to um, talking about Willie Rennie, I thought he was surprisingly confrontational on the STV debate. He was very... Um, seemed a bit agitated. He was very argumentative. There was a lot yeah. of speaking over people, which doesn't play very well most of the time. Although I will say I feel out of... All of the leaders on that stage, he was the one who most effectively challenged the SNP on their record, on the subject of education especially, saying that, you know, the SNP had promised uh, to close the attainment gap and um, based on current estimations, the way that we're going, the attainment gap won't be closed for another 35 years. And um, Nicola Sturgeon didn't really have an answer for that so he had some he had some shining moments during that debate but the whole arguing over people and not letting them speak just doesn't play very well yeah i completely agree but uh over and all um who who do you think won the debate debate night thomas who do you think won i'm gonna go with Anas Sarwar. Anas Sarwar? I think he proved that there was a lot of bickering going on on the stage, a lot of, um, you know, cheap shots and um, just general bickering. And he stayed true to his message of um, his party promising to rise above that kind of politics whether or not they can is a different story but the way that he presented himself was very much like that was the case he was calm cool collected he knew the lines he was um a confident speaker and he was um also not afraid to um speak his mind as well i mean especially the comments he made against douglas ross i was surprised when i watched it how harsh he was being but, yeah, I think overall he just sort of presented himself as the most sort of together um, 
competent leader during that debate. Alistair, who do you think won? PSG. Oh, sorry, I was, wasn't watching, was I? <laughs> okay then, Alistair, was it? Hugh, who do you think won? Um, I think Nicola Sturgeon won, just solely based off of one like our line of, you know, do you want an experienced hand guiding us through the remainder of the pandemic? And I think that's going to play in her favour because I think people don't want a lot of change in government right now. I think people just want to make it through the pandemic. And I think if she plays the line of, you know, do you want somebody who's experienced, that's going to play really, really well in her favour. So, yeah, I think probably Nicola Sturgeon. I think uh, with Hugh, yeah, I think uh, Nicola Sturgeon won. We had some very good contenders. We had uh, Patrick Harvey, who did very well. And we also got Anna Sarwar. Uh, I think Willie Rennie and Douglas Ross are uh, down at the bottom, two bottom. But, uh, yeah. And that's just about all we have time for this week. We will be back next week at our usual Thursday evening release time. And all that remains now is to just thank Stephen Brown, Thomas McCann and Hugh Sloan. And we hope you have enjoyed listening to us in, in your evening with whatever you may be doing. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.